Welcome to the podcast channel of the East Bay Unity Intergroup of Overeaters Anonymous. The opinions expressed here are those of individual members and do not represent OA as a whole. For more information about our intergroup, please visit our website at eastbayoa.org. Hi, my name is Jimmy. I'm a compulsive overeater in addition to lots of other stuff. Um, Good morning. I'm glad that we come together on Saturday mornings for recovery. I feel um, delighted to be a member of this group. There are so many people here whose experience, strength, and hope have benefited me. It's not funny. So I'm one of eight children, and I'm the eldest male. And in my family, The motto, unstated motto that was, there's not enough for you. Whether it was love, whether it was dinner, whether it was cookies, and especially around that lighter uh, substance, uh, my parents had to lock up the cookies because the children would eat them all. Being enterprising, I got a key made So I had access to the cookies whenever I wanted. And I felt superior in that my ingenuity gave me the reward of more cookies. Now, what I take away from that is that I had a problem with sugar, but I had no idea of that. Still later, this was in the days when you could get a candy bar for a nickel or a dime. I would save up some money and I would go to the local liquor store where they had all the candy. And um, I remember the sugar high when I would eat massive quantities of sugar and I would get this feeling. Um, Later on that, I don't know what else to call it, but buzz was something I, took from alcohol and drugs. I ran away from home when I was 17. It was 1967. I ran away to Berkeley. I lived with a bunch of other runaways on Telegraph Avenue, and we started a gang, which was called the Red Rockets. And all over Telegraph Avenue, we spray painted Red Rockets rule. We controlled the uh, LSD connection on Telegraph Avenue from 67 to 71. Um, And this meant, you know, so I wanted to figure out about LSD. I had some. I go to the Berkeley Public Library. I find this book that says you take rye bread and you soak it in milk and you grow a mold called ergotamine tartrate. You then refine that mold. And I was smart enough to hire a chemist to do this for me. And, you know, what does it cost for bread and milk? Well, the long story short was, it was $4,000 for a gram. So you take roughly five bucks and make 4,000. And this appealed to me. Um, Needless to say, um, you know, drugs and alcohol were just a part of it. Um, and, and the reason I'm mentioning that is because of the buzz that one got from sugar and later got from drugs. 
Uh, I basically manufactured and distributed LSD worldwide until I was 30. And at 30, I got clean and sober. Uh, and none of my tools for survival were useful anymore. Um, so then, so I'm 30. And for like, after I first got sober, I read in the big book where Bill Wilson says that you can use uh, candy, hard candy, to replace the cravings for alcohol. Well, I took that to heart and I started eating candy like it was going out of style. I candied my way into diabetes. Um, and uh, now they say that denial is more than a river in Egypt. Um, and I was in complete denial about all of my food stuff. You know, there was a time when I swam five miles a week and I kept myself trim. Um, and it was like a low level roar. Uh, my wife died after 30 years of marriage. Uh, we were particularly close and had been. Uh, she died from emphysema from smoking. Uh, and I was unprepared for the avalanche of grief, um, which I felt. And so then the question becomes, what do you do with those feelings? And I didn't discover until eight years later that what I had done was eat Haagen-Dazs and Oreos every night, putting on the weight, never making the connection between the emotion of grief and what I was doing. Well, so then eight years after she dies, I walk into my first OA meeting. And it was clear that I was in the clutches of a deadly disease because my denial had worn out. And I had learned to work the steps around every other issue that came up, but not around my food because I didn't realize there was a way to work the steps around my food. Um, when I came in, I got a couple temporary sponsors, then a long-term sponsor. Um, and, you know, I had to do a lot of writing about my food. What's the food history? What's, um, what are the red light, green light, and yellow light foods for me? Um, and I grasped the program with the desperation of a drowning person. This felt like a lifesaver to me. So I came into OA January of 2018. And I was struck abstinent in terms of sugar immediately because I could see that sugar was poison because I'm a diabetic. Um, and my food plan was pretty simple, three meals a day, uh, no snacks. And that enabled me to lose like 50 pounds, a little more than 50 pounds. Um, 
But then a year ago in October, on October 30, I had onset of something called diabetic ketoacidosis, which means you've got infection plus diabetes unbeknownst to me. I had walking pneumonia. Uh, and I went into a coma. I went to the hospital. I was in a coma for three and a half weeks. Uh, they told my daughter that all my organs had shut down and that she needed to say goodbye. I had a heart attack while I was in the coma. Uh, I had two emergency abdominal surgeries for abdominal uh, lesions. Um, and so I'm there in Highland for like three and a half weeks. And then I switch over to rehab. Now at the time, I, I, this is a little bit complicated, but I had something called diabetic encephalopathy where the sugar reaches the brain barrier and that's what caused the coma. Um, so I get out of the hospital and I go into rehab. Uh, and the first problem is they do cognitive testing and I can't tell you the difference between a triangle and a circle and a star. Well, I did my occupational speech therapy religiously and by the time I was done, 60 days later, I uh, had about 99.5% of my marbles and my sense of humor back. Um, then I was in a wheelchair uh, when I got out of the hospital. And my only tool was physical therapy, which I did religiously for an hour a day, aqua therapy once a week. Uh, you know, on the days when I would go into physical therapy, it was more like an hour and a half or two hours. But my point is that I focused on the footwork um, like we do in recovery, like we do with the steps. By doing the work, we're benefited in ways that we can't it's, see. It's been 10 minutes, Jimmy. Thank you. Um, so I keep doing my therapy and now I can get up out of this wheelchair and walk around for as long as I want in a given day. Um, this last year has taken more courage than anything in my adult life. I had a traumatic event when I was 17 where I got hit by a driver who ripped my leg off and left me there. So that resulted in a year and a half in the hospital. And I had to develop, um, oh, it wouldn't be called recovery, but I don't know what else you would call it. I had to develop uh, methods to sustain myself and survive. Um, Where I am today is that I'm actually grateful for my wheelchair because it provides me relief from standing. I'm grateful for my cane because it allows me to uh, walk securely. Uh, I'm grateful for my walker because I can go with my walker, not fear fa falling and walk six or eight blocks at a time. Um, I learned here to focus on the process 
and turn the result over to God. Um, that's like a very important tool to me. Um, I've had all kinds of things which didn't go my way. And so I had to go back and redo uh, with, with what I'll call faith. And if I condense the entirety of my 38 years of recovery into a sentence, it would be that everything's going to be all right. Thanks.